your business has big goals, you need more than just another vendor. You need a true partner who cares about your deal as much as you do. At PropLogix, we provide time-saving due diligence services from title searches to HOA research, lien searches, and more. Our team will go out of their way to ensure you're supported, and our reports are backed by our Six Sigma Quality Assurance Approach. PropLogix, getting you to the closing table with confidence. A new episode of Title Talks starts now. If you're struggling in your business right now, you're not alone. It's tough out there for most of us, but if you're one of the 50% of title professionals who don't have marketing or salespeople in your corner, you may be feeling it even more. Which is why today's episode couldn't come at a better time. We're chatting with Mitch Sullivan. He's the chief marketing officer at SnapClose and he owns his own marketing consulting firm. He's sharing free or nearly free steps you can take that will give you a big return on investment. I'm Lindsay Gordon, and this is Title Talks. Welcome back to Title Talks, Mitch. We're so glad to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. It's, it feels like it's been a long time and hopefully I've grown up and improved in some way since then. It has been. It's been a couple of years. Um, so we have lots of new listeners, which is exciting. And so for anyone who may not know who you are, give us a little bit about um, who you are, what you do in the title industry and where your expertise lie. Sure. So I've been working in the title industry now for about four and a half years. I currently work at SnapClose. So they're a title software company. Uh, they're, they're a smaller one. They mainly operate on the East Coast, although they, they are able to function everywhere. Uh, right now, I'm the CMO there, but I also work as a consultant, a marketing consultant. I have my own agency called Zero Eight. And yeah, so in terms of my knowledge of the title industry, it's probably not as extensive as many of you listening, but um, I do think that marketing can be taking snippets from places where it needs to. Definitely. Um, so I wanted to kick this off. Um, to hearken back to a stat that we got from the state of the title industry survey, which is a survey we do title professionals every single year. Uh, we've been conducting it for the last five years. And um, typically, the majority of the respondents are telling us that they're, they're responsible not only for like the closing and uh, coordination, but also for like bringing in new revenue. So we know that, you know, title agents are generally bogged down they're overwhelmed so not only are they responsible for like doing title and like the closing portion but they're also responsible for like impacting revenue at their organization so last year we added a question and we asked whether or not um the respondents had anyone at their organization that's dedicated to marketing and sales and that's very general you know we didn't ask whether or not um it was you know marketing or sales or kind of really to you know define that role but about 50 percent said that they did and about half don't um and you know i i would guess that we're talking about marketing i would guess that a lot of people who said that they had marketing or sales individuals even if they would classify the individuals as marketing uh, they're probably more like a traditional sales role, which I think we see a lot in this industry. They're out on the street, they're knocking on doors, they're bringing cookies, you know, and these are not things that we would 
classify as marketing, you know, in, in the marketing world right. outside of title. I think a lot of people will say, hey, we have a marketing person. They're, they're generally kind of in more of a sales role. So we really want to talk more about this marketing piece and these strategies. And so what I want to do is, is get your definition of what the difference is really between marketing and sales, because there's a lot of conflating between the two. Right. So first I, I'll touch on that statistic or the, what you were just saying, which is, yeah, it seems like it's, it's not this, you know, really important thing for a lot of title agents, but it's amazing at how important it actually is. And as an example of that on snap close, when I look at our analytics, so I look at our data in terms of who is visiting the website, I wrote an article a few years ago called marketing your title company. I put it together. I didn't think too much of it. It's responsible for more than 20, 30% of snap closes traffic. So there's a lot of, and it, they might not necessarily result in a conversion, but it's, it's amazing at how many people seem to struggle with this and just take this just very basic marketing and, and try to put it into their business. So, it's definitely seems like it's a problem. So, and that's why I wanted to, to come back and talk about it and share a little bit more. Uh, I haven't been given that question of what's the difference between sales and marketing in a long time, but <laughs> I found a really good quote that I will use and I'll try not to butcher it here, but marketing is like choosing the right lake and bait. It's understanding customer behavior and creating attractive promotions. Whereas sales is the act of catching the fish. It's involving direct interaction with customers, negotiation, closing the deals, et cetera. So I, I think for me that that's pretty good in terms of, of how I would see an analogy. And I like mm -hmm. analogies with that. So it, it, it is basically finding a way for customers to interact with you as opposed to you going out there and targeting them is how I would probably sum it up quite quickly. Yeah, we use the analogy a lot um, with like magnet, magnet marketing. So you're kind of bringing people to you rather than like outward, outbound, you know, going and knocking on doors and that sort of thing. Um, so right. we're talking today about some marketing strategies. So let's say you are that 50% that do not have anybody in house, or maybe you do have some like sales, you know, uh, outbound people who have feet on the streets and they're hosting, you know, realtor, um, education courses and that sort of thing. Um, so let's say you're the, you know, the, the portion of title professionals who say that they don't really have anyone doing marketing. What are some things that you can do? Uh, what are some strategies that you can share with us that um, don't require a ton of time and will really make an impact um, on your return on investment for your organization? So, so starting with the why they should do that, I, I think if, if you're a company, I want you to like, just think about your own usage online. It doesn't matter what, what product, service, if it's, if it's a plumber, if it's new software, Typically, you're going to search online in some capacity. You're going to read reviews. You're going to visit the website. You're going to do anything. It's exactly the same for, for title companies. And it, it really is amazing. And like I said, I have a marketing consulting company on the side. I've worked with small title agents. And it really was amazing that he, he didn't have just these, and I'm not trying to insult him in any way, but he didn't have these basic things in place to, to grow his business or to capture any of these marketing inbounds that he potentially could. And for me, that's the goal of today is to try to just provide some really quick, actionable insights that someone could take back and go, all right, I can do this without a skilled professional. It's going to be free, or at least for the most part, and it should have immediate impact on their bottom line. Um, so I think the first part for me is to make sure that going back to what I just said, make sure that you are able to be found. 
is the first thing. So most people use Google. You can also do the same thing for Bing, but Google has a free product. It was called Google My Business. I believe it's called Google Business Plan now. Same thing. If you search Google My Business, it will come up. It is creating a free profile on that account. And that will allow anyone that is interacting on Google to find your business, to see your operating hours. If you have a, a location, it'll be able to be found on a map as well you can use it almost as a second website so which is quite powerful you do need to have a website at least a domain name but i know that from google's perspective they wanted it to be used as a second website so i think that just having that in place it takes 30 minutes to set up you can do it for free they want you to do that i think that's pretty powerful and that will have an immediate impact in terms of someone searching in your local area for a title agent yeah, so it kind of connects like your business name with basically what it is you do and the location you're at. So when someone's searching, it's it's kind of bringing those things together. So let's say I Google closing company or title company in Austin, Texas, maybe more specific neighborhood or something like that. It's really about hyper hyper local, right? Correct. And it can go even further because a lot of people might not actually be searching that specifically title mm -hmm. company in Austin, Texas. They might just search title company. Google then is smart enough to go, oh, hey, this company has a Google My Business account. They are in Austin, Texas. I'm going to display them as one of the priority results if your competitors aren't doing that. Um, and you can make it even better if you understand technical SEO and things like that on a later episode, I suppose. <laughs> but th that, that, that will immediately... Yeah, exactly. Part two, but that will immediately impact it right now. Okay. So what are those steps? Like you were saying, I mean, maybe not super technical, but what are some steps to like make the most of creating this profile? I mean, putting as much information as you possibly can. I think even taking photos of your location, if maybe you're having meetings inside of your office, making sure you have your business hours up there and that they're accurate, making sure that you have the correct phone number, very basic things like that. But just think about if you're trying to make a dinner reservation, you what you want to see from that. It would be the same thing. Making sure everything's correct, that the links are working, just that everything's functioning as it should. Because if it's not, you will be penalized in some format for that as well. So it's it, very simple, basic business information. That's how it's used. Uh, there are some other components to, to the Google My Business as well in terms of you can kind of get uh, insights in terms of how people are interacting with your Google My Business page. So going into a bit more data and that might be a little bit more extreme for the conversation. But that's, that's where I would start is just the basic business information. So once you have your profile set up, um, people can leave reviews there, right? So, Correct. so how, how, how important is that and, and why should you work on um, getting customers who have worked with you in the past to leave reviews? So I'm going to, and this was the statistic that I mentioned that I, I would bring up. So uh, there was a study done by Bright Local, which said that 84% of people trust online reviews as much as a personal recommendation. So, and, and touching on that a little bit further, there's also, and I don't have the statistic on hand with me and I might butcher it a little bit, but. Um, it's not only that, it is also the types of reviews that you have. So for example, um, and this is kind of going to backtrack a little bit, but let's say you're visiting the best restaurants in Paris. If you see five stars, most people actually deem that to not be truthful. So you, yeah. it's, it's not just that you don't want reviews. You want all reviews, positive and negative, and it's how you interact with them. But to, to go back to the question, definitely is reviews are really powerful. 
most people, including yourself, probably when you're interacting with any business, you want to make sure that it's trustworthy in some way. And the easiest way is not to say that on your website, but is to show them by mm -hmm. having some people that can speak to it. So getting those reviews is pretty important. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. Like, don't tell all your employees or their family members to go and spam with fake reviews because people people are smarter than you think. <laughs> you can't necessarily bamboozle people. And, and like having real, honest, actual reviews, it's probably better to have some that are maybe four stars, three stars, and f some five stars than having all five star, you know, obviously, you know, if they're, if you're really amazing and everyone always has an absolutely stellar experience with you. But it's like, I, I think people can get a little bit wary and be like, hmm, did they hire people to do this? Did they, you know, so I think transparency is really important and, and doing it honestly is is gonna go a long way exactly and i believe it's the same the same report that said the 84 percent trusted i think it was in, in the range of 4.5 to 4.7 stars out of five stars is actually that kind of sweet spot but i mean even if you're less than that i wouldn't stress too much like mm -hmm. you can respond to negative reviews Definitely. and that is almost just as powerful as as not respond, as seeing a good review if you can see hey look we're a business but we're human and this is we at least own our mistakes and we do these i think that's also pretty important um, going back to reviews i don't know if we want to touch on this right now but i wouldn't just go with google if you're mm -hmm. going to do reviews I would be signing up again. It's free signing up absolutely everywhere that allows for third party reviews, Yelp, uh, G2, Captera, whatever is relevant to your business yeah. and, and making sure that you have a presence there. It's the same principles, what you just did on Google, my business, setting up your information, putting some photos, putting your business information, and then encouraging customers to actually leave a review. You'll be shocked that that's normally when I, you know, consult with people, that's normally the concern that I hear is, oh, well, I just don't want to interrupt people or anything like that. And I agree. That's always, you don't want to interrupt your customers. The best thing that I implemented it in my own business was as soon as I have a positive experience with a customer, I ask them while they're in a good mood, mm -hmm. Hey, would you mind leaving a review? It would really help attract people that are just like yourself. Yeah. It's generally, I mean, for most people, if you think about when you've had a really good experience somewhere, you know, and you know it's going to help them out, it's going to, like, if you want to keep going back and having that experience, um, you know that helping them out is going to help keep them in business too. So I think I think a lot of people, it's like, hey, I had a great experience. I'm happy to share that with other people. I think a lot more people would be happy to do that for you than you might realize. I agree, yeah, and that's been my experience as well. Yeah. So the next thing you need to do is set up Google Search Console. So what is this exactly? How I, how I like to explain it to myself is that Google My Business is how a human interacts with you. And Google Search Console is how Google interacts with you. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's kind of that's how I like to, to try to understand it myself. Um, basically, in short, Google Search Console is a tool to understand how Google interacts with your website. Um, so it is more on the website side of things. You do need to uh, have a little bit more technically experience to install that. They do make it quite easy, but you do probably need to understand it at least a little bit. If your yeah. website's built with something easy like WordPress, that's a plugin that you can install. Um, but basically what, what this does, what Google Search Console does is it allows you to monitor 
web performance, identify issues, and basically see what people are searching for to how they found your business in the first place, which opens up a lot of doors in terms of creating content, in terms of um, writing the correct things to say to attract people and things like that. So um, I have a question, and this is kind of off script, but um, as a marketer, I know I have my own personal thoughts. You mentioned WordPress, and, and I know there are probably people out there who they're probably not listening to this podcast because they're not as far ahead as the people who listen to this podcast, but like that may not have a website yet. And they're probably thinking, okay, like where, what do I do if I can't hire someone? I mean, there's so many different things. Like, what do you, how do you feel about, um, you know, kind of out of the box, uh, do it yourself ones like Squarespace or Wix, or I know there's, you know, a couple of them, like in terms of being able to do some of this more basic SEO stuff, like how, like, where do you think, those kind of line up in terms of this is my favorite this is my favorite question and i actually i write in detail about this on the snap close article marketing your title company we're definitely posting a link to that in the show notes so (laughs) so if someone wants to read that um i think to start I, i will say it like this wix squarespace all of those things they're really good to start with right um where the issue comes in play later is it's not as easy to be customizable as WordPress. And those are really big words to say to someone that hasn't started a website just now, but WordPress is also pretty easy. It's, it's called WordPress because it's mimicked to be as easy as Microsoft word. That was the name. That was the concept behind the name. I didn't realize that. Maybe I might be wrong. That's what I was just told by someone in the industry, but it it makes sense because it is quite easy. And where the benefit of WordPress is, is you can install themes that are pretty easily used. Now, where I would say WordPress is beneficial is that customizable part of it. It allows you to, to find outside help that could be quite cheap. And I'll give you an example. And I, again, I write about this using something like Upwork, freelancer.com, Fiverr, you can find someone pretty cheap everyone, every web developer in the world probably knows WordPress. It's going to be the most likely one that they're familiar with. If you need something really quickly done, it's pretty cheap to do it through a platform like Upwork. So you might sit there and go, Hey, this is difficult. Or, you know, I don't really want to go into the weeds of this. Again, WordPress setting it up is quite easy, but if you kind of use an outside help, like on Upwork, I think you'll be able to get a website that you're pretty proud of in the end, as opposed to using Wix, which is to me almost as difficult as WordPress. You're going to have to sit there and play around with code. You might not have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. Sorry. Yeah. I, I just feel like that's something when you're starting from square one, you know, it, it, it can be overwhelming to kind of decide like, where do I go? How do I, how, how do I do that? I mean, obviously having something is better than not having anything at all. Um, but yeah, those are things you want to think about, um, how you're setting yourself up for down the road. If you're doing that work to set up, it's like, might as well do something that's, you're going to have more flexibility in the future. Correct. And and I mean, I was a small, I mean, I am a small business owner and, and now I sure I have some web development experience and Mm -hmm. I have it because I've built my own website. And it, it's not easy, but once you kind of walk through the steps, it's like any software that you use. Once you've kind of got the basics down, um, it's quite good. But like I said, time is money and you're probably all really busy, but you can use something like Upwork. I recommend it pretty strongly. Go in there and find someone pretty pretty cheap that will get you the website that you want. Again, Wix, you could do the same thing, but in the long term, if you're growing your business, which is the goal of everyone, I really always recommend at least using something like WordPress. Yeah. 
Um, so let's talk about other tools. You said before um, that you use ChatGPT a lot in your business to kind of um, make yourself more efficient. Tell us about that. My, my partner, my girlfriend, she is so threatened by my usage of ChatGPT that she thinks I'm using it way too much to the point that now it's helping me to cook recipes and it's helping me to do a lot of things. But I, I won't go into too much detail of all of that. Um, how I use it for my business is pretty extensive. I, as, a, as a marketer and having my own consulting agency, I use probably about 12 to 13 pieces of software in my business. I, I purchased the paid version of ChatGBT about two months ago. And within a few weeks, it became my second most used software, just wow. behind my project management software. The amount of time it's saving me per week is, is four to five, six hours a week already. So it's definitely worth $20 a week for me. I'll use an example of how I use ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. When I saw the the questions for this podcast, right? I sat there and, and I wrote down a bunch of messy, messy answers. I asked ChatGPT, hey, here's, here's what I want to talk about. Please make this a little bit more readable in a bullet point format so that if I lose my place, I can find it. It summarized everything that I said perfectly, put it into a bullet point format, and away you went. Uh, you and I were mentioning, of, of talking, speaking about off, uh, off the recording, uh, summarizing meetings. And for me, that is the best thing that I do. Even if it's a meeting that I'm having on the phone, I record on the phone, I upload it, and I transcribe it with, uh, with another AI tool. And then I have ChatGBT summarize the meeting. So it's really powerful with that in terms of just being able to summarize anything. But where it's gotten even better, we'll, we'll kind of backtrack to your website now. ChatGBT through some plugins can actually crawl your website, or I guess would be the term I would use, and give you suggestible uh, insights and edits that you can make. So it now has a plugin feature that can read URLs and go in and actually make those suggestions. Uh, for example, I just had a meeting with a new client. I'm writing his landing page. I put in the URL of his landing page. I said, hey, I don't want to read all of this. It's long. Summarize what this website does and what it is. It summarized it and it didn't summarize it too well. So I knew that, all right, this is, there's an issue behind this. I need to write it a little bit better. The same thing, had a meeting, allowed, put all the notes of that meeting in. Hey, ChatGPT, help me write a headline from this meeting. Put out a better headline than I could probably create myself. So I think to summarize a whole lot of words that I just said, I think that it is really able to summarize a lot of your meetings. It, you can put in the messiest of notes. Maybe you're sitting there with a client and you're writing things down. You don't want to have to go back and, and make it presentable for someone. It can go ahead and do that. Um, just to give an example of the best use case scenario that I've ever had using it. I had a client, again, they, they said to me, Mitch, you're a good writer. Could you please make our company handbook sound a little bit softer? We've been told that it sounds a little bit mean, a little bit um, forward like that. This was a six page document. I uploaded the entire document into ChatGBT and asked it, can you please make this just sound a little softer? It did it perfectly with no edits required. Oh so my that, gosh. That, that, that alone saved me a few hours. So it's really useful for that. I don't think AI is coming to steal our jobs right now, but I do think that it is a tool that we can use to save ourselves a lot of time. Yeah, as someone who m makes their living in communications and a lot of copywriting, <laughs> it does kind of like make you sweat a little bit. But I, I think, you know, obviously you know, um, you probably could use it for things like um, hel helping you generate captions if you're doing social, like if you're, you know, 
a small team and you want to have um like a good presence on social but you don't really have the time to like kind of come up with with things do you think you could use it to um uh write your copy for your site like if you're starting from scratch as a title company what 100 you can almost use ai for everything including graphics nowadays it's really become from that extreme it it, it does it is quite scary from a copywriting perspective i do think <laughs> you'll always be needed though uh, but ju just as an example, going back to social media posts, I use it all the time for that. And maybe I'll, I'll have a graphic or I'll have something that I want to say, or there's an outside article that I want to make a comment on. Um, I'll kind of give a use case scenario for all three. I wrote a blog not too long ago. It was quite extensive. It was a few pages long. I couldn't really think of the best way to summarize that into a short social media post. So I went ahead and asked ChatGPT. Here's the URL. Can you please write me a social media post for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter? It knew the characters, it knew the different platforms, and it basically did what a social media manager would do in that sense. I had to tweak it and adjust it. And again, I don't think it'll replace a social media manager's job because someone has to create the content calendar and think through what should be posted, but it saves a lot of time like that. Um, but 100%, it can be used for for creating your own website and things like that. I just probably would be apprehensive to use it. I would make sure that I'm writing my prompts to ChatGPT in a way that really makes sure that your website is unique and that 10 you other people haven't just done the exact, that haven't yeah. done the exact same thing. So for example, you could be a title agent in Atlanta that specializes in XYZ. I would say, hey, I want my website to reflect this. These are the benefits. This is what I do, write that. And it would probably be 95% accurate. Mm -hmm. so, so making sure you, that you have your own value proposition for your company, like what are the unique selling, you know, um, features about your company that differentiate you and making sure that that's all like really solid before you. Cor correct. You really need, you really need to handhold it through to give you a good answer is yeah. how I would describe that. So just it, but if you give it all the information that you need and say, look, I don't have the time to write this, it will, it will publish it in a way that that is quite beneficial. Wow, that's crazy cool. So um, other than chat GPT or um, making sure you have a Google business profile, what are some other maybe tools or strategies that you should be leveraging to be more efficient and to see that return on investment? I mean, if, if we're discussing free things and uh, cheap things that anyone could do, right? Um, just think about what I'm doing right now on this podcast. I'm leveraging your audience for snap close for prop from prop logics, right? Prop logics is beneficent benefiting from this. And so is, so is snap close. So I think there's opportunities like that, regardless of what industry, you know, how small your business is. Yep. Maybe there's someone within your area that is doing a podcast that is, ha that has a webinar series that has a, a really good blog or newsletter or, or a social media site. Um, just find what your area of expertise is and what you're comfortable doing. If you're not good at writing, don't write. If you're not good at speaking, don't speak. But, you know, let's say, for example, you see someone that has a Facebook group or a title group, or they've got a lot of followers even, which is probably the most realistic scenario. Ask them, hey, look, I have this interesting idea or I have this article or I want to comment on this and, and utilize their audience like that. And you can go a few steps back and just start commenting on social media posts mm -hmm. of someone that's popular and you will drive traffic back to yourself. So I think it's finding creative ways to utilize audiences 
And I'll give an example for myself in the title industry. I can't remember the name of the Facebook group since it's been a while since I've been in there, but there is, it might even be title talks as a Facebook group, but there's a Facebook group in the title industry that I have, I've I've never ever tried to sell anything on that because I don't think that that works in these groups. But every time that I do a new blog or a new article or anything related to marketing material that is informational, educational, or informative, uh, I, I share it with the group there and I just say, Hey, look, here's some free content. I hope this helps someone in some way. And I think that has been the reason behind why the marketing your title company article has, has gone so well is it's had these, the traffic sources from all of these different areas. So I think that's the first one is leveraging other people's already formed traffic network is how I would describe that first part. Um, in terms of other things, it's probably the same thing is focus on your strengths. So I see this a lot when I'm consulting and I just had a call actually less than an hour ago, which is people want to do too much. So if you're sitting here, maybe you're going, I need to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, and I need to have an email newsletter. You don't, you need to find where your audience is and, and who they listen to and then, and be appropriate with that. One of the best tools I've ever used is called SparkToro and SparkToro is free. There is a paid version, but SparkToro, you can go in there and you can input job titles, URLs, websites, things like that. And you can ask it to track who the people are that visit that page or that have that job title and what they do online. So in other words, if I plug in title agent into SparkToro, it will show me people with title agent as their job title in LinkedIn what they visit, what they listen to, and what they read, what they, um, you know, basically everything that they could possibly be doing online. You can sit there and sift through that and go, well, I like to do this. So I'm going to use, I I like this newsletter. I'm going to publish a guest post on this newsletter. This Facebook group looks interesting. I'm going to join this and make comments. So finding where your customers are and narrowing your search point to that rather than spreading yourself so thin that you can no longer manage the resources that you have and you give up altogether. It's like a diet. You need to just slowly build into it and find what works for you and then really focus on that. Yeah. And that's, how do you spell that? SparkToro? SparkToro. So yeah, my accent might be throwing everyone off here, but spark spark like lighting like a spark of a match and then Toro, T-O-R-O. It's very handy. I use it a lot. For example, I'm trying to, for another client that's- it's very, it's, it's created by, uh, uh, Rand Fishkin who founded Moz, which is an SEO yes, company. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really good tool. I use it a lot. If I'm trying to get in front of the right people and I don't know where to start, that that's what I do. So I, I'm, I'm doing marketing for a company that's so niche that it's not funny. And I really didn't know where to start. And I plugged in the job title that the salespeople often go after. And I found, oh, these are the podcasts that we listen to. These are the newsletters. These are the social media accounts that they tend to follow. And then I, I focused my strategy around that. So it's a really powerful tool that everyone, I think, in every industry can use to at least hone their resources. Yeah, totally simplifies market research in terms of, I mean, like that's exactly what you're trying to do is figure out where your audience is, you know, and how, how do you make sure that you're in front of them in that way. So like that's so, so awesome. I'm going to check that one, out. 100, one, it's, it's, it's very good. It, it changes it changes market research, makes it a lot quicker, a lot easier. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to add or should we, I'm, 
I feel like you've given a lot of like very actionable steps. I hope so. The only other thing that I would, I would comment on is interview your customers. So that's always the most important thing is, is we can sit here and we can think that our services benefit someone in X, Y, Z way. But until you speak to someone, maybe you find something that you didn't really know about your business or that's helping them in some way. So speak to them and find out exactly why they chose you. Speak to someone that didn't choose you and find out why they didn't choose you. And then all of your marketing messaging should really focus around that. So don't, don't do the heavy lifting, lifting yourself. Just speak to someone. I don't think a good marketer is someone that just knows how to listen to someone and just write down the words that they're being presented with. Mm -hmm, so exactly. I, I think that's a good, a good place to start. The framework that I use is called jobs to be done. You can get, if you want to email me, I can give you a list of questions that I ask customers that help me write everything from web page copy to ads to, you know, knowing what blogs to be targeting to knowing what to speak about. So I think that's a good place to start as well. Yeah. In the copywriting world, we call it voice of customer data. So essentially right. you're, you're, you wouldn't start on something without like speaking to customers and getting the things that are important to them and using the language that they use. I mean, literally speaking to your customers, like you were saying, it is giving you copy and language that you can then turn around and use in your website copy in your newsletters and your email you know it's like absolutely like you can't guess you shouldn't be just assuming that you know exactly what's important to people or that you know oh, how to I, speak to them i can't write anymore because i'm so used to interviewing people and just having them write it for me and just mm -hmm. finding out the the aha moment wow that that's really relevant to what you're saying and that sounded like that solved your problem uh, you know, you've hired us to do this job, in other words, regardless of what you're in. So um, I think that's a really a good place to start. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll make sure to include all of those resources as well. Um, and then how do people get in touch with you, Mitch? If they have so I think probably the, I think probably the easiest is, is my email address, which is just Mitch at 08.us. So 08, the numbers, but they're spelled out, right? And the same thing with the website is www.08.us. Again, I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have. I was a small business owner myself. I know it's it's difficult, and particularly when you know you don't really know where to start or, or how to how to go down this marketing path. I would just say start small, reach out to someone for help like me, and and hopefully you can find the right path for you. Thank you so much, Mitch. Take care, and I hope Thanks. you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Mitch for sharing. If you want to explore more, you can head to the show notes on our website at proplogics.com forward slash resource forward slash podcast. Until next time, happy closings.